Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are encouraged by this message. So tonight, guys, we're talking about God, money, and me. And, uh, you know, we've been seeing the videos in the morning. We saw our first video this morning. Um, but to, in our evening services, we're going to just take a more personal approach. We want to hear different testimonies and things like that. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I guess... As we were preparing for tonight, one of the questions that we thought people might be thinking about is, what is this topic in church? You know, money. Paul DeJong states that money, or lack thereof, influences more of the decisions we make about our lives than any single other factor. So it's a pretty big deal. Bordy, what do you guys think of this topic being in church? I think it was pretty interesting this morning when... Did anyone here this morning actually see the message... Yeah, cool. So Paul gave some statistics, some figures, and he, he uh, put one out there that nearly 50% of couples uh, end up uh, in divorce, and they do so because of disagreements or contention when it comes around uh, the topic of finance. And also 70% of newlyweds haven't even discussed the topic of finance. And it's amazing how that can play such a crucial role in marriage. And, you know, we as a church want to help you, we want to help ourselves Mm -hmm. to be able to break through and really debunk some of these myths and uh, apply the tool of finance well to our lives. Um, Look, I I probably came to this whole topic fairly cynically. Um, I, the the whole context of prosperity in church and prosperity doctrine, something that I have always, I, I have for a long time struggled with. And I guess I, in my consideration of this, it was always that, that I found to simplify it, the prosperity, doc, prosperity doctrine was very much around the more you give, the more you'll be blessed. And God wants you to be blessed, so therefore you should give more. And, and so that the prosperity was the outcome. And I think for me that's always been problematic because what I read in, the, in 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, which Paul referenced in the... Um, sermon today was actually it's the opposite that we are blessed to be able to achieve outcomes and the outcomes there is to expand the kingdom of God and and most of my work is at the intersection between not-for-profits and for um, business or for-profit entities and that not-for-profits have almost proudly said oh we don't have to worry about money because we've got a purpose and the for-profits say we don't have to worry about purpose because we're for money and yet both of those models so often manifestly fail um, in delivering the outcomes that they think they want to achieve. And when you can understand how money and, and finance actually works and how it relates then to purpose, you can be far more impactful. And I think that's something that I see in my life and, uh, and then in the context of our, our mission program as well. Well, you might, you may know that one of the values that we have here at Desert Life on the wall, the word flourish. And that's one of our values as a church is that people would flourish. And in John 10.10, we we read, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that we believe that God wants his people to be fruitful and to live an abundant life. But it's not just about us. It's so that we can be a blessing to other people. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. As one of our key things is that we want people to flourish in life, but it also comes before what you see on the screen, uh, on the wall there, we've got flourish, lead and influence. And so we want to see people flourish, but we know and believe that that's for the purpose of so that we can um, be an impact for other people. Um, and I really liked what Paul, you know, in his book, he quotes Proverbs chapter 11, verse 10 and 11. He says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, wicked it is destroyed. So what do you guys think about that scripture, I guess? Lyndon, Jamie, you know, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. What do you reckon he's talking about when he says that? Well, I can pretty maybe start from my perspective of what it's not talking about. And often we've assumed that it's a reference then to well, the, the righteous, the faithful, the Christians, people in the church. If they prosper, people will, will rejoice. So therefore, mm. it's okay to prosper. Mm. And, and that becomes a justification for, well, it's okay to, for Christians to be well off. And I think they miss the point that the the start of the the description the adjective of the people were the righteous these were people who were already investing in and building in and growing and and seeking for their city and their town to flourish and so when they did prosper it was as a natural extension of the flourishing that they'd caused and and sought to cause in and around their communities but but the righteous prospering wasn't an end in itself and I think that for me I just keep coming back to that the prospering is not the end point it's the starting point of then what the righteous are able to be able to do and to achieve hello (laughs) Ephesians 1 verse 23 and the message I love the translation of it it says a church you see is not peripheral to the world the world is peripheral to the church the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. You know, you, you and I, because we are the church, we have, we have a mandate, you know, we can get up and talk about that, but we have a message of, of hope and life. And, you know, this is one of those messages, those topics that we tend to steer away from. And I think it's a shame because it's a contentious issue. It's something that if we don't grab a hold of, it can really affect and rule our lives. Um, you know, the, the other thought is is that this message, you know, as Lyndon touched on a, a bit before about this this false understanding of prosperity, it's not so that we can get rich because God says in His Word He wants to bless us, but He wants to bless us so that we can then bless others. Mm. And you know, He doesn't want us just to have money just for us, as I said before, for our holiday plans, which I've got long service leave coming up, can't wait to go overseas. Here we come, America. Um, But God blesses my family and myself so that we can be a blessing to those around us. You know, we're not called to be selfish. We're called to be people of action who lead by example and who put others first always with that kingdom mindset, seek first the kingdom of God, and what will he do to us? He will bless us. He blesses you so you can be a blessing to others. Yeah, I think that I love that scripture, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And that comes in the verse, I think it's in Matthew 
5 or 6, 6, um, when he, you know, the part in the Bible where he just says, you know, don't worry about where the clothes that you wear, don't worry about the food that you're going to eat, don't worry about any of that stuff, just seek first the kingdom and all these things, I'll worry, He's, God says, I'll take care of all that stuff, but seek first the kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. I really, I, that is just such a core scripture for me and I think it's so important that we, we it's great that that came up. So thank you, Jamie. You know, I think, um, you know, as we read through this book together with that Paul DeJong writes, um, one of the first points that I guess I've picked up so far in the book is that he really, and I guess what you guys are also saying tonight is that, you know, God wants us to be fruitful and have an abundant life for good works, for good works that are not just for ourselves, for good works that are not just about how I can continue to bless my own life, but for good works for others. How can we bless others? As he pours into our life, how can we pour that out so that it impacts the city? Like it says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And it rejoices because they receive some of that blessing as we give it on. So I think that's awesome. Um, the second point, as I've been reading through Paul's book, uh, that you know, just at the start, because I don't want to get ahead, because we're here for five weeks, which is great. <laughs> um, but the second point I notice uh, initially is, and I think he said this this morning too in the book, uh, sorry, in the video, he says, uh, if we are not intentional about money, it will disempower, distract or dominate us. And I think, you know, we can sometimes, as we've talked about, and it was mentioned this morning, if you weren't here, it's a taboo subject sometimes, isn't it, money? We don't want to talk about it. We don't ask one another about it. We just, it's our personal thing. Um, But if we aren't intentional, and if we don't make really clear decisions and choices and really think about what we do with it, it has the power to disempower, distract, or dominate us. That's what Paul writes in his book. And so I thought it'd be great just to ask our panellists, what do they think about that? And I've asked Lyndon specifically, what do you think that Paul means when he says that, you know, if we aren't intentional about money, we can be disempowered? Well, I think there's, for me, there's probably two things out of it. The first one is that as a, my experience in, in a whole range of areas of life is that in the absence of intentionality, if you're in the absence of being explicit about what's going to happen, then you end up just getting dragged along by whatever the other prevailing influences are in your life. And that's, that's true whether you're, whether you're at school, um, hanging around with different people. If you're not intentional about who you hang out with, you will just follow the natural route of everyone else. Um, it's true in work and it's true everything else. So I think just as a general principle... We are. I, I, I'm attracted to that concept of saying, look, if you if you aren't intentional, you're giving up the authority in, you have in your life about what you choose to do. I think that is even more profound when you think about it in the context of money, because if you and I've heard, I've heard many people who say to me, oh no, no I well I don't care about what I get paid. Well, at some stage you will. And you're giving up, and, and people who are, and young millennials who are sort of coming out of uni, really keen, they're going to change the world, don't care about money. But at some point they are, and, they, and they've given up that authority already. And what is a far better answer is, money isn't my first priority, it's important, and this is intentionally where I place it on the scale. But when you just ignore it, you give up the authority, you give up the right to be able to then complain about stuff later on. And, and that's in the workplace. In, in, the, in the Christian world, I think 
when you, when you ignore it and when you let it go, you lose the right to say to, to the devil and to say, no, this is what I want to do right now because you've given, up that, you've given up that authority in one part of your life and it's such, whether you like it or not, money makes the world go round. It's, it's a critical part of, of how we live and if you can't control it, and if you can't actually stake it and claim it and say, this is what we're going to do, mm. um, then you're opening an avenue for someone else to have control over your life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if we don't control it, it'll control us. Mm. Yep. Um, Dan, what do you reckon um, it, Paul might have meant when he said distraction, that it can distract us? Yes, um, it, distract, it distracts us when we start stressing and worrying. How are we going to make ends meet? How we've we got all these bills? How are we going to pay them? Um, it becomes our focus. The worry, the um, stress becomes our focus. Uh, if we make unwise decisions or we impulse spy, being there, we've had those times of regret. And when we live beyond our means, it becomes a distraction. We constantly worry, we stress, we lose sleep over it. It distracts us when we compare what we have to what others may have. Um, and we, then we have that desire for more. Um, my sister had a beautiful home that was renovated. We lived in a little shoebox. I would go there and I would feel jealous and I'd feel envious. And I'm like, oh, God, I want this. I'd have to go home, deal with my attitude because it could become really consuming. And um, there's a whole other story in that. And God was really faithful. Um, it also becomes a distraction when it's our motivation. As a single woman, um, for a time I was managing a Jenny Craig centre, I had a wage and I would get monthly commissions and bonuses as, you know, targets and goals were met. Um, but the pressure for that became the motivation. If the motivation is for you to get more so that you can have it, it becomes a distraction. Mm. And in the end... The other, uh, it was a real struggle because God was really, I was a relatively new Christian and God was softening my heart and I just wanted to help people. So when you're in a business that has to make money, but you just want to help people, in the end, the stress of it, I don't need this, I resign from that. Mm. And um, yeah, so there's many ways it becomes a distraction. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it is... Paul was talking about is it just what is it getting distracted from it's that coming back to that scripture about seek first the kingdom you know if we put God first it means that we don't focus on all these other things but it's so easy isn't it sometimes to focus on where is that next paycheck coming from and and if I just work that extra shift then you know, I'll be able to save that little bit and we'll be able to get that bigger house. Like it can quickly become, it snowballs into something that we never anticipated or wanted it to. So I think they're really, really good points, Dan. And um, what about um, Jamie? The last thing um, Paul mentioned in that, just that point about disempowerment, distraction or domination is he does say um, it will dominate us. What do you think yeah. that he might have meant by that? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel funny sitting up here talking before you guys about finance because in our house, Fiona, she deals with a lot of our finances. At the uh, Any husbands here in that position? Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> but, you know, here at the church, I'm on the business advisory team and play a key role in the finances here. And, um, 
I was just thinking about this concept before, the whole domination side of things. You know, for us as men, we, we see ourselves as providers. And I think there's mentalities, right and wrong, that come with that, that get put on guys and blokes. And, uh, you know, before I was a pastor, I used to be a plumber. And um, it was a great job. I loved it. But, you know, there were periods where I still face challenges at time where I bump into former tradesmen I know and I look at the lifestyle they have and I see they're living the dream, you could say, but really inside there's a void. And they've got, you know, some of them who live interstate have got the jet skis and they've got the nice Land Cruisers while, you know, I'm driving a 25-year-old Land Cruiser around And uh, money can dominate your life if you seek money rather than seeking the giver. Mm. I think we just have to watch that that trap you fall in. I know for myself, from a very early stage in my Christian walk, I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. He said to me, I'm going to use you to help others have the same revelation that you have right now. And that's always been my focus. Whenever I fall into that temptation of wanting to pursue money because I want to look after my family, and that's not wrong, but there's a difference from when you try and look after your family from your perspective versus bringing God into it and allowing him to direct you, seeking his face, seeking his will, and then allowing him to bless you. You know, I I miss those $100 call-out fees (laughs) an hour. (laughs) <laughs> now I get paid 10 bucks an hour. Well, not quite, but you know. <laughs> but when you bring it into perspective, I don't get paid $10 an hour, so don't feel that bad. <laughs> but there is a difference between what I was paid to what I am now. And when I bring it back to perspective, I much would rather be doing what I am doing now with purpose, with conviction, with love, with his grace. Because I tell you, God, I don't want to jump ahead. But God always, always does what he says. Don't allow money to dominate you. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, something that you've touched on there too, Jamie, is like we we can be intentional with our money and that's really important to do in terms of the daily choices that we make. But the underlying thing is what's the value? What are we making decisions based on in terms of our value system, you know? And I think that if we were to make decisions based on the value of I'm going to put God first or I, you know, rather than, okay, I need to get that next promotion, you know, it could impact the choices that we make in life. So I think it's really good um, what you've shared. The third, I'm noticing just how wonderful fun we're having and yet the time's flying, so I'm going to keep on going Uh, But because I really want to get some really cool things out. So anyway, the third point that Paul makes in his book that I wanted to share on and and get the guys to talk about is money can release kingdom purpose. It's a point that he makes. And I want us to have a look at that um, as well in terms of being intentional. But what do we think Paul means when he says money can release kingdom purpose? Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm reminded of the um, Good Samaritan story in in Luke 10. And um, the Good Samaritan, he bandaged up his wounds with pouring oil and wine, put him on his donkey, took him, put him in the, had him in the inn and um, left money. And if, if that 
Good Samaritan didn't have those resources, that would be a very different outcome. That would be a very different story. Mm. Um, Yeah, so it does... I absolutely believe that it does release kingdom purpose. Somewhere, at any one time, there are people praying for needs. Mm. And we are the answer. We, we are the vehicle that God uses to answer somebody's prayer. Um, I was fortunate as a, as a new Christian, a new believer, there are people praying in China for Bibles. I got to go on a missions trip where we um, smuggled Bibles into, into China and a blessing in that story was someone um, unanim- unanimously, is that the word, yeah. put, put money in my letterbox, which helped get me there. Res- we need resource to buy a plane ticket. We need a resource for someone to be buying Bibles, printing Bibles, so that people can hear. Because the Bible, every person has the right to hear the gospel. And so it requires resource to get Bibles into people's hands in unreached people, people groups. Um, and I've got lots of stories, but I don't want to hog all the time. <laughs> um, but one more like Ben, he's had the opportunity to go into countries. Um, normally he's had his ticket paid for, so it does requ- require, resources required to get somebody there on the ground that can teach and train. And in one incident in India, there were 300 pastors and leaders from all over the country that came to be trained. Mm-hmm. And so the resources required to get people on the ground mm-hmm. and to see the kingdom mm-hmm. purposes outworked. Mm-hmm. So that's just a small sample. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Yeah, it's an interesting thought. You know, this whole thing on... Um, I was just thinking before, you know, in relation to kingdom purpose, I've heard, you know, I've been in ministry for a little while and I've heard people say, well, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, like it says in his scripture, why then do I need to give? I think it's a bit like, you know, the free will versus sovereign will. In other words, God can do whatever he wants to do, yet he gives you and I the free choice to be a part of his kingdom. I think the question shouldn't be why should I give? Uh, sorry, why should I give? It's I get to give. You know, I get to give into His kingdom. I get to be a part of His will here on earth. I get to give into something bigger than me that will have an eternal ramification. It's it's a pretty powerful thought. You you get to play a part. You know, the scripture also says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So my question for you tonight is, what is it that you value? You know, because what we, are, what we value or what we are sensitive to, that is what we treasure. You know, we get to be a part of this. I'm unapologetic even when I talk about it from a, a giving perspective because I've seen time and time again God bless us when we put him first and he always does what he says he will go, he's going to do. We get to serve him. It's a pretty powerful thought. Don't ever have a bad attitude or bad mentality when it comes to giving. Mm. Me, it, we can, when, as we talk about this stuff, we can, and, and for those of us who've been in the church for a long time, can, can very easily fall into a trap around, well, we need to be, pros, what you, 
we need to, to pray that people will get blessed so that we can then go out and do stuff and the church can do more and, and we can go from there. And suddenly it, it, we, we fall into the trap of then making this discussion around money and how it can control us and how we can control it to be one around what are we... If you give more, we can do more. And, and I think it's really important to be clear, that's not the purpose of, of, of what this is all about. Um, we've, the values that we have on the side of the wall, connect, grow, serve, flourish, lead, influence, for me it really boils down to you individually have been born with a purpose. And that is, that is fundamental. For people who have never been in the church before, who have been disconnected from God, who have been disconnected from family fundamentally your purpose was to be in relationship with god mm-hmm. you're part of his you were created for his blessing and so you had a purpose from day one number two you were born to be part of a family mm-hmm. and that's why we have church and number three god wants the family to be growing mm-hmm. and when we when we boil it down to that we then understand hang on this purpose thing's absolutely critical yeah. And when we can then start to understand what, well, what is our purpose and what does that look like, mm-hmm. we can then start to understand, well, how do we then define the control that we have to have over money mm-hmm. and the control that we need to have to be able to make sure that purpose is achieved? Because my purpose is very different to, to Jamie's. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been called to be a pastor in the same way that Jamie has, but I've been called in different ways that I think have, are able to have um, impact in the, in the world in which I operate. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be different for each one of, mm-hmm. each one of you. And then we... So, so the consequence of that is we have to work through, well, how does that actually look? What does it actually mean? And I have met people, sadly, in churches who are volunteering five days a week who are on every service team, but you wouldn't employ them because their their heart absolutely is towards working in the church but they're just they're not even doing the basics of focusing on their job and this whole thing around understanding and purpose and where do you put your priorities and where money is is well hang on you're not going to be very effective as an individual if you don't have a job if you're not going to be very effective if you're a uni student failing uni because you're serving church more is not a very effective outworking of your purpose and if you're if you're going bankrupt at home, if you're losing money, if you, if you can't pay the mortgage, then you're not going to be very effective in your purpose, whatever it is, unless you can get in control of that. And I think for me that's a, it sort of gets down to, well, where does this fit? Where does this priority fit? And I think that, that then the whole tension of these conversations is that we have, we have a cross that looks straight up to God and we can always look to God but we have the outstretched arms of Christ that is always saying, no, I want my family to be bigger and I'm, I'm, how do I connect to those human needs? And this money conversation is hard because it's a balance mm. and we tend to either fall one way or the other and God's saying to us, no, this is hard. It's a tough conversation to have, but if you get the balance right, your purpose is going to be far better achieved and our impact mm. and the influence we can have on the world around us will be far more effective. Yeah, I think that's where, like we mentioned about our value system and about being intentional. I think it comes back to that point about being intentional with what we're given, being good stewards of what we're given. Um, and for that, like what Paul said in the beginning, he said um, the first point that I... Where did I write it down? That we are blessed to be a blessing um, for the purpose of his kingdom. Um, so I think that's really good. 
you know, we're running out of time. I want to ask you guys to share. You know, you've been committed Christians. I value you all. I know you, um, I get to do life with you, so I know that you're good friends, and I know the life that you live, the choices that you make. Are you, you really do put God first. You are um, just wonderful, God-fearing, committed Christians. And I guess people might be wondering, you know, what's, how's God impacted your life in this space of finance? You know, do you have a story? Do you have a testimony of how God, by you putting God first, what does that practically look like? Do you have any stories that you could share? I've got so many. (laughs) Uh, One that really stands out Hello, can you? There you go, I'm back again. <laughs> um, Fiona and I will be celebrating 21 years of marriage this coming September, and uh, you know, our, our whole life we've just seen the hand of God over us. One, one particular story is before we were on team here, we were pastoring a church on the Tweed Coast of New South Wales, and we came to Alice Springs at Christmas time to see my parents. So when you live in paradise, where do you go for holidays? You go to the desert. So the other paradise, that's right. And two days out from coming, God had just stirred on my heart, Alice Springs again. And life was great for us. Anyway, we came here and I just knew we had to take the step of faith, resigning from our church, coming to Alice Springs. Nothing was lined up. It was just, you know, it was a step of faith. So we did that, and in that process of moving, we were, we'd been pastoring this church that we started from scratch. Our wage was a $50 fuel allowance per week. That was it. I, I did plumbing two days a week to uh, support our income. We'd gone through eight years living like that, and God always blessed us. Anyway, so it come time to moving here, and I'd intended to work for two weeks full-time plumbing, uh, to earn money to move here because to move a household of furniture here plus your family with two kids and one on the way is quite expensive, isn't it, Danielle? As you recently did. Well, the guy I was working for, because I was leaving, he brought in a new plumber and those two weeks I thought I was working, all of a sudden I was without a job. So it's like, what do I do? Or what do we do? So we prayed. And there was a couple in our church who lived in Brisbane but had a holiday home near where we were. Husband was a lawyer, wife was a doctor. And uh, they wanted to renovate the bathroom in their holiday home. So anyway, I did the bathroom in the holiday home the two weeks that I was, should have been working for this other gentleman. And they ended up paying me four times the amount I should have got paid doing this other job. That got us here. Then I thought, how do we get our furniture here? Someone bought us a container from Alice Springs and then they paid for the freight to get it here. You know, it's not cheap relocating, as you know. And I've just seen, I could go on telling you so many stories, but that was one that we took a step of faith, not knowing where we were going, what we were stepping into, and yet God blessed us abundantly. He opened the doors and he showed us the way. Seek first the kingdom of God. You go, Dan. Okay. Um, yeah, again, we've got many, many stories, but um, the key scripture that we're coming back to was seek, um, seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. We, were, um, we had just come back to God 
um, back at back in Hope Centre, and um, I had had a potential job opportunity to move in to Melbourne, and um, and would have been a wonderful job and all of that, but. We had just started getting our lives right and we knew, we in the end, we decided that we knew God was going to do something in Brisbane in our hearts and because we wanted to align our life with what God wants for us, if we had made a different decision, we would not be sitting here today. We would have gone on a different, God, God would have blessed us, I'm sure, but would have taken us on a different path. But we always... Um, as a married couple, committed to seek first, seek first his kingdom. And we've just continued, every decision we make, um, we're always asking, what is, does God want for us in, the, in this? And we've just seen time and time again, just God's provision in so many different ways. And um, we've, we've had times when we've had nothing and um, God has always looked after us. We've always been cared for. And, um, yeah, it just, it just strengthens your faith so much. Yeah. I'm happy to, but where time is going over. And there are so many of those stories that we have, I think all of us have experienced. Um, I, I guess my only comment is that if you're new or hearing this, it's, we can trot these out because we've experienced them, we've experienced over a long period of time. But it can sound a bit glib if you're in the middle of a challenge. Mm. And I guess we, in sharing any of these stories, it's only by way of encouragement that when when you're able to align align these priorities up, the problems don't necessarily go away, but they become manageable and controllable. And, and the encouragement then for anyone who, who hasn't had this, the opportunity and the blessing to sort of see this is there are people around you who've worked through most of the challenges. And I think for me, the, probably the greatest encouragement I ever got from my dad is, look, you aren't the only person. You're not that special. And it's highly likely that whatever particular challenge you're dealing with, someone else will have had to deal with it. So never be afraid to reach out within the context of the church or people around you, a small group, connect group, or just someone, people that you might have got to know, that money can be something we don't want to talk about. And as soon as we don't talk about it, it has control of you. And then, then, then it, it's really hard to come back from that. When you expose it to air and sort of sit down and say, this is what I'm struggling with, that's when a lot of the opportunity to either overcome that barrier or to be blessed um, through that process actually comes about. Yeah, that's really good advice. All right. Why don't we thank our panellists, because I think they've shared so well. Thank you so much, guys. I would love to. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, please consider joining us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at desertlifechurch.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Have a great week.